if you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. Are you telling me you've made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh, uh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Sasky and Sarah. Hello again, everybody. I'm hey here. there. How's it going? It is going well. Yeah. Guess Except what? for the fact that my computer just suddenly started playing Taylor Swift, which threw me off a bit there as you started the intro, but we're doing well. That's fine. We're doing real well. We're doing better than last time, which is, I guess, the important part. Look, I guess the, I guess the plus here is we're not recording at nearly 1 a.m. in the morning. No, and we're also recording it like the day of the race, which we not, never- yeah, not a week and a half later after you've just flown back from uh, California and I've spent 12 hours at work. Right. No, this is great. And guess what? We've got lots of drama and whatnot to talk about this way this week. The um, the Mercedes team are getting all Mercedes team on us again, and I don't know how to feel with it. Sasky, help. Well, look, I mean. I love a little bit of drama and the fact that they're basically turning this into like a high school like tit for tat competition is just amazing. Like the amount of side eye and attitude that came out of that press conference was just glorious. Like there are gifts for days. Right, exactly. But I mean, okay, so we need to talk about this race. It's really sad that that press conference and like a couple of car crashes were definitely the most exciting part of the race because yeah, look, it definitely were. It was a bit of a- is not the world's most exciting track, is it? No, definitely not. Um, I, I mean, that long straightaway is pretty cool and the like really slow corner right after it. That's literally the only super exciting part yeah, of the track. The first corner is great. But that straightaway is actually so long. And there was a really good quote about Daniel, from Daniel Ricciardo in the lead-up to it. He's like, you think that straightaway is long in an F1 car? Try coming down it and then, like, an F3 car. He's oh, like, God. you basically could get a book out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So we both actually watched qualifying this week, although maybe not at the right time. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, again, you know, finally after this week, we're going to stop complaining about the times that the races are on. But... Qualifying was at 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning? It was a 3 a.m. qualifying start and a 2 a.m. race start. That's right. I I had all the attentions to stay up for qualifying. I got home from from work reasonably early, got home from work around about midnight on on Friday and decided at about 2.25 to fuck it and just go Uh, to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. I So this was kind of a big weekend for me in terms of uh, college hockey and I've kind of been running around all week um seeing people that are in town for it and whatnot and just I, I did not have the wherewithal to stay up and then do all the stuff I had to do on Saturday so I, I, I yeah qualifying is one of those things where you're like if I you know I mean, if I get spoiled for it it's not the biggest deal because you know it's qualifying it. yeah plus you know. You know, it wasn't really the most exciting qualifying ever Qual- look qual- qualifying is exciting in a couple of circumstances Monaco Oh, anywhere that's anywhere that's raining. Yep. And that's, I'm pretty sure that's about it. Yeah, yeah, and it was neither of those things. So yeah. it is what it is. We had Yeah, I I like I got to the point where the sky broadcast had already started and I decided that this wasn't gonna happen. And I went to bed and the first thing I did when I got up in the morning is 
I, I found a YouTube channel that illegally reproduces the races. What did you do? You didn't do that. What? You T-vote it. You T-vote it off your TV, right? Right? I don't even own a TV. Oh, jeez. How do, you- <laughs> How do I live? You've got to remember, I moved to this country with two suitcases. I'm just saying. That makes me sound like I've fled from something or I've, I've come from a farm. <laughs> No, that's fine. But anyways, qualifying wasn't super exciting. We had Hamilton on pole, Rosberg second, Vettel third, you know, the usual. And uh, what do you know? That's how the race ended. Yep. Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel. And so we've got the same, what, the same? We've had the same three guys on the podium for the first three. I, I was going, I'm sure we've had the same three guys, but I, I don't remember a lot of the Australian Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was exactly the same result. Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel. Um. Uh, what else? Can Look, you at least Ferrari has won somewhere in there to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We've 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 seen the same the same three. Um, we've seen the same three on the podium at the end of every race. Well, let's not jump to the end of the race. We were going to talk about qualifying. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, you know, some other stuff happened in the race. Some stuff that made it like you know worth not going to bed right away um look the race the race was let's start at the beginning of the race sure and let's start with daniel ricardo of course because we always talk about the australians well look daniel ricardo was the only interesting thing that happened on the start and by interesting i mean dan continued the fine australian tradition of being absolutely shite on the start like i I thought maybe he had escaped this curse. He seemed pretty, you know, like he seemed okay last year. Like he's not he's not blowing the doors off anything, but he wasn't quite Mark Webber until yesterday. Right. When 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 well actually this morning to him, he got all Mark Webber on it. Like literally, I think um I think the car, the anti-stall went or something like that. He he couldn't get off the mark. Like seven cars have gone past him and you're just like, oh. Oh, God. Like this, and, and the sad thing was it wasn't really a bad start that was his fault. You know, they, they changed some stuff with the car, and I think that's probably where the, the thing happened. But it was still just like the lights have gone off and everyone's gone, and Daniel Ricciardo's car is actually just like sitting cruising down, down the, you know. Yeah, I know. Like it's rolling downhill. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, he wasn't the only, you know, car with a Renault and it didn't have an issue yesterday either. That was but pretty good. His was the least dramatic of the Renault engine in issues. Yeah. Like, he actually finished the race. Yeah, which is nice, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a big change considering the three others didn't. Right. Yeah, that was so disappointing that both Toro Rosso's didn't finish. I mean, Sainz's car lit on fire. His car actually lit on fire. And you know what made me really angry, too? And, uh, you know, I'm just going to go off on NBC a little bit right now. As soon as his car started smoking, NBC cut to commercial break. I didn't see any of it. I was so angry. And then suddenly you come back and he's like climbing out of the car. Like the, the- Every now and then NBC gets it right. They go to an ad break when the yellows are on. So you don't really miss anything. And that's fine. But when they go to an ad break at the incident that creates the yellows, you're like, but I want to like, watch that car burn. It happened multiple times last night. And I, yes, okay, NBC can be right occasionally. Broken clocks are right twice a day. But you know what? Come on. Come on. Yeah. I also I... had like two out of three of Pastor Maldonado's incidents yesterday. So I just, you know, I know all these things happened because I was following along on Twitter, but I did not see, see that. I, I have this habit where I, um, 
I watch the race on what well, we have here TSN, so it's the NBC feed, and then I watch a acquired copy of um, <laughs> the generally the Sky broadcast. I mean, sometimes I get the BBC, which I can deal with. Like that's fine if if that's what I can get. But I prefer the Sky broadcast if I can acquire that broadcast. And yep. like I look so, so often by the time we get to the podcast, I've seen the race two or three times, and and generally the kind of watched it once, taken notes the second time, and then just kind of laughed about it the third time. And um, you kind of get those things on the Sky or the BBC broadcast that you that you miss on the American ones, you know, the certain radio commentaries or, or the, you know, extrapolation of the accidents and things like that, you know? Yeah. But Speaking I, of radio commentary, yeah. uh, another thing that happened yesterday, um, kind of the beginning of this whole Mercedes drama, and I almost missed it, but NBC happened to replay it after we came back from commercial break. Um, what do you think about Rosberg telling Hamilton to speed the hell up? <laughs> look, I, look, I like Nico Rosberg. I, I think he's a, he's a good driver, all of that stuff. I just don't know about him this season. Like, so far this season, I've kind of wanted to be like, bro, put on your big boy, out. put on your big boy britches yeah. and like harden the fuck up. It's annoying. It's but, annoying because, but, you know, hmm. he's my favorite. He, I'm just going to come out and say that he's my favorite driver and it's great. He's great. And it was fun to watch him win last year and stuff, but you know what? He just seems like, you know, ever since spa last year, he's just been kind of a mess. And he seems like, he seems like someone who's Hamilton won and it, it did the number on him because he knew that he would not have been in the contending place at the end of the season. If it hadn't been for Hamilton's car breaking down the times it did. He then didn't manage to capitalize on that chance, admittedly yep. through technological problems as well. He then comes out and says it took a day for him to get over losing the world championship. Yeah, you know the, what? That 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 seems like a lot of bullshit. <laughs> and and then he's come to this season and he's just seemed rattled you know he's asking questions on the radio that he knows he can't get answers for he's complaining about things that you're like mate just drive the car you know like and and he like telling lewis to to drive faster pretty sure that's not how this whole racing thing works like i mean i don't want lewis to drive faster but like i get where you're coming from but he's just i don't know this season he seemed a bit like and i and i hate to say this he seems a bit like a bit of a whiny baby this season. No, no. And that's I, really bugged me. The thing is, I do understand his point in this last race. Yeah. Um, you know, t- if you are driving for the team, which, I mean, is his argument here, um, Vettel really could have undercut the both of them if they didn't pick up their pace. Like, yeah. if Vettel was two seconds behind him, that could have been terrible. And yeah. you know what? That would have affected Lewis, too, if they hadn't picked up their, you know, gotten their asses into gear and moved it. Yeah, and Lewis, yeah I agree completely. Lewis did eventually speed up. It just took him a while to do so. And you could tell that the team on the radio was like, you need to hurry up or we're going to pit, we're going to pit Nico first. And they did. So I, you know, it does get construed as whining on Rosberg's behalf. And I think it wouldn't, if he hadn't been like this all season already, if this was the first incident, I think people would have been a little more lenient about, about, you know, him saying like this, but yeah, I don't know. That's fine. It's also interesting though, because you think about the fact that, this is a TV constructed narrative because yeah, you, and I, and I think that's also the interesting thing to remember when you talk about any of these stories, the TVs and, and the FOM in that um, P 
pick and choose which audio broadcasts between the drivers and the pit bulls we get to hear. So they clearly have a narrative in their mind about what what the different people are, what their characters are in a certain sense, and they... I, I imagine there is a certain degree of picking and choosing over which of these things do get broadcast. Oh, yeah. And they've kind of got, this is the narrative we're selling for Nico Rosberg this season, and it's not flattering to Nico Rosberg at all. And admittedly, he has played into it in, in press conferences and things like that. But there's a certain amount of picking and choosing that you kind of get there that has been, uh, unfortunately, so far this season, unflattering to Rosberg. Yeah, yeah. And it's annoying. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that is that. Um, speaking of Vettel and Ferrari, and oh my gosh, can we talk about the blue flag incidents? <laughs> um, we haven't had a good bit of radio from Kimmy in a little while, and we definitely did last night, and it was uh, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> nothing will ever quite get to the levels of, like, shut we, up, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, last night, it just it's just the delivery. It's like, get the McLaren out of the way, come on. <laughs> and you could just imagine him driving up behind it and seeing Fernando Alonso and being oh, like, I know. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, get out of my way, bitch. <laughs> yep, Think yep. of all the stuff you put me through last season. Yep. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, right. Uh. It was, I mean, and he did that to Alonso and he also drove up behind, I think it was a Marusha and Jensen Button just kind of hanging. Oh no, it was, uh, it was Maldonado and Jensen Button, like right before their incident. Right before they drove into each other. Jeez. No, that was entirely Button's fault. That, that, that was entirely Button's fault, but here's the thing. It's Maldonado. At the end of it, Pastor Maldonado was grumpy, right? Yes. Like, Pastor Maldonado was annoyed that he had to retire from, like, a good place because Jensen Button <laughs> hit him. And I was like, Pastor, this is the time when you get out of your car and you stop and you think about this concept called karma. how many people in the last several years of your career have you put out of races by bad decision making not you other people and then you take this moment and accept it for what it is and shut up because (laughs) you had this coming to you i don't think you said anything too drastic no no but there was there was there was there was a little bit of a i don't know if he said something or someone kind of around him insinuated that he was really annoyed and yada 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 and you're like of course you're annoyed but considering the amount of people that you have nearly like <laughs> seriously injured in the cars couple of years and the number of opposition cars you have totaled the yeah. fact that your dam- your car was damaged to the point where you could drive it back around and into your pit box was like you got out of you yeah. you got out of this okay and 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 not only did you get out of it okay like, this is the third time you had done something in the race. He missed the pit lane entrance. You know what, though? To be fair, Hamilton did the same thing a few years ago. and he. Put yeah, his- but I think there's a difference between, like, there was, I, I, I'm trying to think of who, which Sky broadcaster it was in the race. Um, so Pastor Maldonado misses the pit lane, everyone laughs. To be honest, if you read that list of all Pastor Maldonado's um crashes there's like three or four of them where it was like Maldonado missed the pit lane entrance in practice and you're like okay so this is a habit um but he 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 misses the pit lane he comes back he spins the car and and then they go on the radio they're like any damage pastor and past no 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 and the sky broadcaster with the line of the broadcast goes no damage just to your reputation oh and I was like (laughs) I literally sat there. I think I paused the the broadcast at this point and had a good chuckle because 
You'd miss the pit lane. You'd nearly clip someone. You'd miss the pit lane. You'd spun the car. By this point, someone was just, really? Come Speaking on. of spinning the car, there was a really great angle. I think it was of, was it Sane spinning the car? Uh, from Perez's, like the camera on Perez's car actually rotated and like showed the whole spin. And it was really yeah. like, at three in the morning when you've had a lot of Red Bull, it's like, whoa, what is this angle? Like, yeah, every now and then you're like, they come up with some angle or something and you're like, phew, gee. Like yeah, a couple of the also- angles on the Alonso, on, on the button Maldonado incident, they just missed taking out Fernando Alonso. And you're like, whoa, okay, that. There was also a camera that I think they had on the front wing of the Williams that you could see like the really nice livery and then like nothing. So it was just, uh, it was very close to the road and it was a little... Well, disorienting, but it was cool. Yeah, they, some, of them, some of them are a bit like you're like, I'm not sure the point of this camera angle, and particularly when you go back and watch old races too, and you're like, right, this camera angle is weird, and I feel slightly nauseated by it. <laughs> Glad well, we've moved on. I, I was watching part of the MotoGP today, and oh my gosh, they have gyrospo- gyroscopic cameras on the motorcycles. Yep, you're like the camera doesn't rotate when the bike leans, and I kept being like tilt my head one way <laughs> the other way i just i don't know how to follow this yeah some of them are a little bit disorientating because suddenly the vision goes from this to sideways, sideways. like looking very horizontally along a road and you're just a bit it's a bit oh but it's interesting because it actually gives you a really good idea of what the actual oh, for sure. yeah I just, it's, it's very yeah. just like why the hell does anyone do this how is this happening motor gp was cool i watched my first motor gp is cool um the only reason i watched it today was because uh, i was at circuit of the americas and i have a very um you have a very strong strong love for Kota. I have a lot of feelings Kota is great it's just it's so much fun it's such a beautiful track like i miss it i'm going back in in november or october i guess yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping i'll get the chance to uh to get there this year yeah that should be fun we'll figure that out for sure but as we started this conversation with um the, the, we started this conversation blue about flag. team radios with with blue flags. Blue flags. I oh, is it just look. Is it just me, or is this is, is Sebastian Vettel getting more endearing to you after each race? Because I have found him hilariously entertaining so far this season. And for a guy that they're like, oh well, he's German and yada yada yada. This is kind of funny. This is kind of funny, and I, like, don't want to like it because I, you know, have a vendetta against Ferrari, but that's, you know, that's a me problem, obviously. But <laughs> That is I, a you problem. I know, but I just, I don't want to like him, but I can't not like him because he's, you know, hilarious. I started Formula One as a Mark Webber fan. Think how I felt about Smashville when this all <laughs> began. And now he's one of my favorite drivers. Yeah, that's, that's weird. I mean, I guess we're going to have to get used to seeing him on the podium, which is fine. I think, I love how you like, we have to get used to seeing him on the podium. Um, pretty sure he was on the podium for the majority of four of the last five years. I know. Get, um, I, you know what I meant. Yeah, I get reused to seeing him up there. Because yeah, yeah. he was only up there once last year, right? And it was in Canada. Once, yeah. I, I, I think it was just the once. Because that, that, that was the one I was at. It was Rosberg, uh, Ricardo, and Vettel. Yeah. yeah. I love you saying that. I'm like, oh, she's going across the podium, not first. I am going across the podium. (laughs) We remember it like the picture. Yes, yes. That's, yeah, yeah. That's maybe how I remember things. Shut up. Um, But yeah, no, I I don't mind him. I think that uh, it's great for Ferrari to be back into things. You know, their fans get pretty awful when they are not Now, did you watch, I don't know if you got this on your broadcast, and I think I may, I think I'm pretty sure it was on the, 
NBC broadcast mm-hmm. and it was um I think Vettel pulled the move or Raikkonen pulled the move and they panned to the, the Ferrari garage and Maurizio, Maurizio Rivene is like, yeah, like, yeah, he, bum, he's like, like jumping, jumping up and down. And I was like, that is the most enthusiasm I have seen displayed by a Ferrari team principal in a long time. Oh, for sure. No, it was funny because the camera caught him and then he like stopped. When he and realized- then he was like, oh, I'm all serious. <laughs> you like, you were not, not at all. It was like, very I he is definitely getting up there in my favorite team principal's estimation. Yeah, Sam. I yeah. Oh, how do I how do I feel about this? Yeah, no, yeah. pretty great. He, I think he's great for that team too. He said a lot of things about you know uh, Vettel and Reckonen uh, as you know teammates and as you know trying to work together and how they're a lot better to work with than prior groups. Of people. Well, if you look at, I'm sure you like me spend a little bit of time around Grand Prix weekends on Tumblr. And I'm pretty sure if you look at anything that has to do with like a Sebastian Vettel tag or a Ferrari tag, it's just photos of Kimi, Sebastian, and and Maurizio wandering around the paddock. Like there's four different sets of photos of them eating food together and them standing around and laughing or them doing this or them doing that. So it's a bit kind of, these guys clearly got a good vibe going on at the moment within the team. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. Christian Horner rapidly sliding out of my team administrators I like. Let's talk about that really quick. I mean, we've pretty much gone through everything from the race. We can go back and do some stuff after. But, like, Christian Horner and his Renault issues Look, is just really... Someone made the point that, that someone, I don't know, I think maybe even he he said it in an article, was saying that part of their threats to pull out of F1 is a way for them to try and kick Renault in the ass to get their shit together. And you know what? If that's the case, it's a pretty decent move you know threaten to take away basically Renault's you know glory in in, in Red Bull because that's you know Renault succeeds Red Bull succeeds yada 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 um but it's still kind of well I don't like not winning so I quit yeah that's that's pretty garbage I um and it's not making them look good I mean yeah maybe it'll inspire their engine makers to to you know improve the engine but it's not you know doing any favors to their reputation. I've seen so many Red Bull fans just being like, what the hell? Like, why are they doing this? And it's not good. It's not good to, you know, alienate your fan base like that. So Yeah, no, look, I, I've been a Red Bull fan for, for several years. I'm, I I don't find them as a, as a team, I'm not favor. I'm not, not not favoring them. I still really like both drivers, yada yada yada. But I found is like I, I keep wanting to use the term franchise, obviously from a from a hockey perspective. So say Red Bull are a franchise. I I don't like them as a franchise at the moment. They they don't make me want to support them. They don't make the me. The word you're looking for is organization. Eh, sort of. Thing. I like the hockey term better. Yeah. They've got a franchise from the F one. Yeah, that's fair. No, no, you're right though, and it's it's you know it's kind of embarrassing to watch them, you know. Come on, you 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 big boys. Yeah. You know, like this is school. This is a little bit of a bit of schoolyard bullshit. Yeah. Put your big boy pants on and. Stop <laughs> As we told Nico Rosberg earlier, Gosh. big boy pants time. That seems to be a theme in this sport, which I didn't know when I got into it, and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, look, sometimes sometimes they do. And and look, to be honest, you and I follow a lot of sports that are male-dominated. Is this not a trend we see in most of them? No, no, you're damn right, it is. <laughs> you're damn right, it is. There is a lot of complaining and a lot of this and that because 
to be honest, a lot of a lot of really high level professional athletes, particularly in male dominated sports, have not giant babies. They yeah, they they've had a lot of they've been babysat for a very long time. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. Yeah. Well, anyway, we, we went over most of what happened in the race. Um Marcus Erickson. Yeah, let's and Daniel Ricardo. Now Dan Ricardo overtook him approximately nine hundred times and then so, kept losing the place. Someone made a good point that that Daniel Ricardo must think there's like eight Salbers in this race for the amount of time he spent overtaking a Salber. Yeah, seriously. No, hey, I, it's I, like oh, and Salber. Yep. Uh, Salber. Oh, wait, it's the same one. It's the, Jesus, Marcus Erickson. Yeah, I mean, good Look, for Erickson for fighting. Marcus Erickson didn't bin it accidentally this week, so that's a that's a good thing. Step in the right direction for sure. It's an improvement, and. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Marcus Erickson. Marcus Erickson, Felipe Nazar, I can get behind. Yes, pay driver, but legitimately a very good driver. One in GP2, was a test driver at Williams, yada, yada, yada. Marcus Erickson, I'm like, well, you're not doing terribly, actually. Like, you made the top 10. But I'm also just kind of like... I still don't like that you're a pay driver. I was like, and if I put Kevin Magnussen in your car, or if I put Jolene Palmer or Mitch Evans in your car, I'm pretty sure they would do significantly better than you were doing. But you're not doing terribly, so it's still hard to want to be I personally would put Alex Rossi in that car, but that's just me. I didn't see enough of Alex Rossi racing last year to have a strong opinion on Alex Rossi because Alex Rossi was like, I'm at Caterham, I'm at Marussia. I'm at Haas Racing that isn't actually here till next year. Oh, man. They haven't... I cannot wait. And, you know, not to get off track again, but I can't wait until Haas F1 starts announcing things and, like, shows us their cars for next year and announces drivers. And I know that's probably not going to be until, like, December, but I'm counting down the days, man. I'm counting down the days. We get my big sparkly eagle flag out for every race next year, and it's going to be delightful. Uh, it shall be glorious. And I will be like, can we get an Australian team around here? You have Australian drivers. Do not we have one. You had two. We have one now. <laughs> You're like, I haven't had any for ages. Who was your last American F1 driver? Scott Speed? Scott Speed. It was, was Scott it? Speed. <laughs> How many years ago was that? It was, I think he drove for Toro Rosso in 2008. Okay, so, so that was a while ago. Come on, man. I was like that that was like a good seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. You weren't even a Formula One fan at the I time. So you I didn't was, even get to enjoy the experience. Oh, it's terrible. I did get to cheer for him last week though, so that was great until he destroyed his car on lap two. You were like, I'm so excited about this, and it's gone. And it's done. <laughs> and we're over. Yeah. But I think the last thing I want to touch on from the race. Well, actually, I've got two things I want to touch on from the race. Watching the marshals try and get. Oh my god! <laughs> that was and the fact that like the Toro Rosso guys had to run over and like detach the front wing of well, the. Well, the watching them try. Look, I understand that it's a difficult scenario. The steering on one of those cars is terrible. Let alone in when you're trying to push it. Let alone when it's got locked back wheels. Mm-hmm. But. There was just so many Asian driver jokes that you could have made. Like horribly, not very nice, slightly racist, stereotypical Asian driver jokes that just you're watching them. There's like eight of them and then they smack it into a wall and then they smack it into a wall again. And then you just see the one Toro Rosso mechanics. I actually think there's some rule where they're not allowed to go 
over the pit wall. So they actually had to wait for the marshals to get it into the pit enough. And you just see there's this one Toro Rosso mechanic standing there in front of them, waving his hands. And then the rest of them show up and they like detach the thing. And thankfully they get it through. But the best part is the second time they smack it into a wall, you hear the entire stand behind them start cheering and clapping. And it was great. And at the moment they then like they get it through and they pan to the crowd. And I actually took a screen cap of the crowd and I was, there's probably a hundred people in this photo. I can count eight selfie sticks right now. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy because like, you know, you see really great fan support everywhere, but I think China's the only place where you see the, like the multitude of flags, like, there's oh my god! They, flags everywhere, but that was excessive. They made one of those, you know, those those. Uh, it's, it's not a tifo. A tifo is those giant flags from yeah. soccer. It, they made one of those ones where everyone flips the border and it spells something. Yeah, and they yeah. flipped it up, and it was a giant Finnish flag. And then they flipped it over, and it was like I heart KR or something like that. Wow! And yeah, it was just glorious. Yeah, the coordination for that is amazing too. The coordination for that was fantastic too. Like I, I, I could never do that because I am horribly un- uncoordinated. But like, yeah, you never really. I don't know. I've I actually, I've actually designed those before. They're actually, you, you think they'd be difficult to design? Oh, not to design. They're I mean, not at all. They're super easy. You just get some grid paper and yeah. some sharpies. Of course. Well, the design's probably fine. It's just the actual act of, like, all coordinatedly yeah. flipping them over. That well, it's literally like you stand up and hold one side and you count to ten and flip it over. And count to ten and flip it over. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, no, they're, I, they're pretty crazy, pretty awesome. They, uh, look, China is, I think, possibly the most gung ho for Finns out of all of the all of the places. But there was there's a really great photo from the race though of of Vitell and his in his um Ferrari and this German flag that's like six times the size of his car hanging mm-hmm. in the background. And I was sitting there looking at it, and it's had like a big number five in the middle. That's a seriously impressive, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty pretty amazing. Look, the last thing that was on my list here of things to talk about from the race, mechanics. Mechanics are my, uh, look, the reason I want to talk about mechanics, and I only really want to say one thing, is that I love it when they send the head mechanic up to collect the trophy. Mm-hmm. Like, I love them when they get up and they're in their, like, overalls and they're super excited. You're like, this man works his ass off. Like, everyone yeah. works their ass off, but this man physically drags shit around. Yeah, and he gets up there, and they're normally, like, big kind of burly guys who are not super polished, and they're just, yeah. And I think <laughs> one of them, like, he, he's hugging Lewis, and he, like, picks Lewis up. Yeah. And you're just, you guys are, like, four times the size of him. Let's go. No, that's great. I, and, you know, obviously, like, it's fun when the team principal comes up. It's fun with all those, like, very polished guys, but it's way better when, uh... Yeah. My favorite one for posh guys last year is one of the, they sent someone up from Mercedes and he had the white, like the white team button up on and you sprayed, they sprayed him with champagne and you realized underneath it, he had all of these chest tattoos. Oh no. And I just remember <laughs> being like, nice you are not so posh after all. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. That was a good podium. I mean, I was, I was pretty okay with it. I was actually really happy that Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't the person doing the interviews. Oh, no. Every time they panned him, I was like, oh no. Please, God, no. And then Ed Moses walks out and I was like, yeah. yeah. My friend is, who's this dude? And I was um, he won like 109, 400-meter sprints in a row. I think it was 400-meter sprints. He was like the gold medalist twice and would have been three times except America boycotted that Olympics. I really liked Nico's comment to him too where he was just like, you wouldn't know how it feels to come in second because you never <laughs> did. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, well-timed Nico Rosberg. Yes. 
But yeah, I admit when I first saw Benedict Cumberbatch, I was like, oh. Oh, well, to be honest, you know, I'm still upset that um, I'm still upset that we got subjected to Arnold Schwarzenegger in Australia rather than Mark Webber. If Mark Webber is out of race, I'm of the opinion he should do the podium interviews. Oh, of course, seriously. He asked no, but like the last, the one he did, he came out and like asked like some really technical questions about like race strategy, and everyone was like, "Yes, this is yeah. the shit I want to know." <laughs> But the podium interviews aren't supposed to be good. Like, you get the technical, crappy ones later. Like, no, that, well, it that's... wasn't, like, super technical, but sometimes they just come out and you're like, really? Yeah, of course. Like, my favourite my favorite actual questions during the, the Chinese Grand Prix weekend was when they were talking to Daniel to uh, Daniel Fiat after, um, and they asked some question that was like, so what happened to your car? It caught on fire. Yeah, what, what do you want me to tell you here? Catch on fire. <laughs> so what are you guys going to do about this? And the guy's basically, I don't know, it caught on fire. Standing there like, I, you could just see his brain going, I speak fluent English. I have no idea what this guy is, what he wants me to say, because this makes no sense. You all saw my car catch on fire. You don't need me to tell you what happened. You watched it. Yeah, yeah. So every now and then when they ask those questions, I'm just a bit like, oh, really? All right then. Okay. I mean, it's the okay. same thing in hockey too, though. Like, you, there's always this. Everyone asks dumb questions. Questions, like, come on. Yeah. We we yeah we expect a little bit too much, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But look, overall, China was not the world's most. The China did not set the world on fire. Um, uh, luckily, no. we've only got to wait it's a week. On fire. <laughs> yeah, a couple of the cars were set on fire, <laughs> but. The world was not set on fire. The race started. The qualification was what we expected. The qualif- the race ended how we, we expected. My brother won money again on betting on Lewis Hamilton for pole position, faster slap, and um, winning the race. Nice. Uh, he did lose money on Pastanel Donato being the first retiree. I was <laughs> so angry about that. I picked him so the super license thing every week. You do the, you know, first pole and 10th. And I picked him for 10th because I'm like, you know, he's going to get points eventually. It'll be great. I Look, I... To be honest, I feel quite bad for Nico Hulkenberg some days. Um, I think that F1 is for him. I, think just, I just don't think that F1 is going to work out for him, and it's really upsetting. And Yeah, and it's one of those things where I don't think F1 is going to work out, not for any lack of talent. Right. It's- he's just simply going to be – he basically is having, like, the first, I don't know, first – eight years of Mark Webber's career, like he's just reliving that, where your cars are never that good and you have good chances. You get cut for someone else who then wins something in it and yada, 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 yada. It just seems to be this ongoing cycle. Like even at the end, Mark Webber did sign with Red Bull and actually won some races. But that was like eight years into his career. Like at that point, theoretically, he probably should have given up. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm I'm almost wondering if Hulkenberg won't go to World Endurance Championship full time eventually. You know, he's he's racing for them at Le Mans. I mean, look, I think I think Hulkenberg Hulkenberg will leave Formula One if he loses a spot at Force India, and it sounds like an obvious statement. I think he will be the someone who will leave F1 when he loses his spot at Force India, and there isn't an open seat in a higher ranking team. He doesn't have the money backing to keep a seat like you I, I was attempting to explain the concept of pay drivers to uh, a friend of mine yesterday and I was these are the teams that are basically talent based these are the teams who are basically money based and then you have Force India who's basically you know Trying. half and half you know and and it's kind of 
if Hulkenberg, you look at you look at Hulkenberg and the fact that he drove for Sauber, he couldn't get a drive at Sauber nowadays. He couldn't have got a drive at Sauber last year because he didn't have the money, and he definitely couldn't have got a drive at Sauber this year because there's even more money needed. So basically, Hulkenberg is force India unless Kimi Raikkonen retires or Felipe Massa retires or someone like that steps out. He's, he's, he's not going to go into Red Bull. He's not going to go into uh, Toro Rosso. He's not going to go into probably McLaren because they've got a really strong development program there. And you've got, what, Magnussen and Stoffel van Dorn and those kind of guys. You're probably not going to see him in a Mercedes. Oh, no, no. They've got, they've got a development program now too. Exactly. You know, it's not as necessarily as big as McLaren or Red Bulls, but they have one as well. Basically, the only place you see him going is back to Williams. And, and and even then, you're like, mm, you know, he may go to Lotus, but Lotus probably he needs to bring some money that he probably doesn't have as well there. Right, right. Although Grosjean doesn't bring a whole lot of money, does he? No, Grosjean does. I, I Look, I don't think he brings a whole lot of money. He They're kind of a similar scenario to Force India, I, I believe, where it's kind of like a mix of talent and money. Like, Pastor Maldonado brings money, but he also did win a GP2 championship, so he can theoretically drive a car um <laughs> he, has won a, he has won a race yeah yeah that's true you know every time i remember that i'm like god damn it how <laughs> was he won a race like come on but so yeah sweet. but i'm really looking forward look spa is in what three weeks so we're gonna see uh we're gonna see holkenberg at spa in the porsche and then le mans is maybe like what two months after that a month and a half after that yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's the middle of June because it was yeah. the week after Canada. Yeah, so. it's. I think it's the middle week between Canada and Austria. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because I was definitely like, oh, I want to go to Le Mans and then Austria, but work is kind of busy at that point in time. Just a little. Just a little bit. Stanley Cups, you know how it goes. But yeah. look, let's move on from. Let's move on say, from China. Speaking of the uh, World Endurance Championship. There was a race today. We had the six hours of Silverstone today, which is the first event on the FIA wet calendar. And Audi won. And it had no grid girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, speaking of grid girls, I did watch part of the, the indie car today. And whilst the guy is standing on his car in, pit lane, in victory lane celebrating, there's like a stage up behind him where they're obviously going to do a presentation. And there's two girls wearing bikinis and heels with like feathered headdresses. And it's like rainy. Like people are wearing sweaters yeah, and jackets. And these two girls are standing there in bikinis. And I was like, not only are you unnecessary, but you are so cold right now. Yeah. Like why? Nah, I really wanted Simona to get on a podium and be like, "Yeah, hi." <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. What is this? But she got fourth. Simona yeah, Di Silvestro sure. got fourth at the IndyCar today after starting way Indeed. down the pack. Yep. So yep. I was pretty psyched about that, and um, we're going to be seeing her at the Indy 500. But I'm hoping, fingers crossed, she gets some more races because she's. You know, like she got a fourth from 18th today. I mean, admittedly, the race was a bit of a shit show and there was a lot of yeah. crashes and things and so forth. But still, she got fourth. Psyched. Yeah, and I was going to say, her sponsors made kind of a big deal over the fact that they were backing her for this race and for Indy. So you'd have to think that if she posts up good results like today, that, you know, they'd continue to back her. And The problem is, I think, maybe forward. is that she mm-hmm. does have those backers, but those backers only have a fine, like a certain amount of money. And it's great that she's getting well, them the publicity, but they may not have really more to put into her. her. It's true. 
it's a really big company back yeah. here. So, you know, they have the money. I just, they whether, have enough money. Whether or not they uh, want to spend it. Formula One, yet. No, 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 no. For IndyCar, though, like the, the finances are different. It was really interesting to see, though, when, when she did get fourth. I was what, like, I was looking on Twitter and there was a lot of people who were like, great, like a lot of F1 journos and, and, and reporters and that who were like, this is great, good on you. Like F1 needs her in racing. And look, to be honest, I think she's no more or no less talented than any of the other IndyCar drivers who probably could all do very well in, in Formula One. You know, I think Will Power could definitely do well in Formula One. I think most of them could if they were given the chance. However, I think because she's definitely so standout as a female driver, that's probably why they talk more about getting her. Oh, of course. That's there. definitely why they talk more about her. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I mean. Like Will Power, because seriously, who named your kid that? Yeah, well, it's like Scott Speed. Like, what? That's the best name ever. But Will, but Power, Will Power. His Will name Power. is legitimately no, Will Power. Good work, Australia, on that one. Yeah, sweet. Hinchcliffe, James Hinchcliffe won the race yeah. today, and uh, it was Hinchtown. great. The mayor of Hinchtown. The mayor um, of Hinchtown. It was great because he, like, jumped up on a podium with his Canadian flag and everything, and I was like, yeah, we never see Canadian drivers anymore either. This is no. cool. Uh, um, yeah, as, as, as we had originally started this, the FIA work was on this weekend, six hours of Silverstone. Um, the Weber, Hartley, and Ber- Bernhard, I think it is, uh, Timo Bernhard combination, put the car on pole, were leading the race, and in glorious traditions that accompany Mark Weber everywhere, the car died. <laughs> oh, no. That's too bad. But, yeah, yeah no, yeah. so I won, and, and, and I think I'm definitely going to – I was going to try to get up and watch this race, but I did not manage to. Because yeah, look, it fitted – I think I, I, like, I turned it on with six minutes left in the race, mm-hmm. and I was, oh, and Audi's winning. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, actually, mm. so, you know how Nissan is making their, their debut in a couple weeks, and yeah. uh, I had a couple friends that actually went and visited the Nismo garage at Silverstone. Cool. And uh, apparently they were super great. They let them like walk around the garage. They let them get in the car. Uh, so they that got to is, see That's them. neat. That's very neat. Sweet. Yeah, no, it was awesome. The pictures, I was just dying. Um, but yeah, apparently their engineers were around and would like answer all the questions about the car and about like, you know, their opinions on certain things about WEC. And um, one of the engineers actually got asked about the whole eliminating grid girls thing. And he was like, yeah, exactly. Like, if, you know, if this is the only thing that women look at and the only thing that that girls, you know, see women doing in motorsport, they're going to think that that's all they can do and that's just bad for the sport. And I was like, well done. Like, yeah. bravo to you. I- that is that you people can have all these arguments and all these things that is the that is the argument that is the single synthesis of why it the is most important bad. Factor because yeah. if you can't what you see is what you believe if you see grid girls you believe that that's what women do if you don't see female races you don't believe women can race you know, right. for every it, girl that sees Susie Wolf or Simona de Silvestra or any of those women race and race competitively it becomes something that they can see themselves doing. And something they can aspire to, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can't aspire to what you don't know is there. Right. So I was really happy that he said that, and it's making me really um, want to watch endurance racing more. Yep, yep. Small of a gesture as that is. So. Well, it's, like, it's funny. It's like, uh, look, IndyCar 
doesn't interest me an awful lot. I, I don't know. I find it a little bit weird. But every single race that Simona Di Silvestro will race, I will do everything I can to make sure I watch that because yeah, I want can. to watch her race. Eyeballs on racing. That's important. Yeah. I thought I thought you would like IndyCar though because it's a spec series, and we were literally just talking about how GP two is also starting next weekend. Uh, look, I think the more I get, the more IndyCar I watch, the more I'll be okay with it. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, the last two, the last race, today's race in in uh, the New Orleans race was just a little bit. I know it was weird. There was a lot of yellows, a lot of crap that went on. It, it wasn't great, you know, like. It was, I think they got like 45 of 70 something laps done. So it was a bit of a shit show. But um, just, I, I'm going to keep going with it. But as you said, God, I love me a spec series. And, yeah, GP, sure. and my favorite spec series, GP2, starts again this weekend in Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're not necessarily a fan of spec series. Right? I, no, I just think that they're, they're, it's different to follow a spec series because you don't have all the technology development. Yeah. And that's just definitely a big part of the F1 that I really like. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, so I love spec series. I don't think F1 should be a spec series. I'd be super interested to see the guys race a spec series because I think it would be interesting. But I'm happy to watch them race a spec series in star in a reasonably priced car. Like yeah, it doesn't need to be an actual competition thing. I'd love to see one race where they get them all together for charity and have a spec series race. Like that would be stellar. That would be excellent. You probably couldn't insure it though, so maybe not. Right. It um, might be a bit expensive. Can you imagine trying to insure like Hamilton or Alonso for one of those races? See, I've I've tried to insure NHL players to come and play hockey games in Australia. Like that's expensive enough. Yeah. Oh man. I can't. Uh, yeah, it's a you know, but it's a GP2 is a spec series, and I love that because I think I think a development series needs to be a spec series. Oh, sure. It, so that's to... how you know who's the best driver. You know? Exactly. And I think that's kind of what I love about GP2 because it really is, this is about the individual talents of the drivers, not about the individual talents or the money of their development team. The thing, I think the most evident... The most evident example of this was, and and I hate to bring Carmen Jorda back into this and disparage her in the same sentence, um, GP3 last year towards the end of the season, Jorda basically got booted off her team, right? They were like, no, you're gone, yada, yada, yada. And they replaced her name. I feel like it may have been Dean Stoneman. Um, and he put it on like pole and won the race. The same car went from finishing practically dead last in every single race by like 45 seconds to the next person to Mm -hmm. a guy winning it and the only difference being the driver and i thought that was like this is cool because it gives you a nicer nicer level and so i'm really looking forward to seeing gp2 back because i love it and i also love the kind of balls to the wall driving style the gp2 drivers have you know they're not racing to come middle of the pack and win a certain amount of money it's literally Everyone here is on the same playing field. You're not racing. Like, getting 10th is not necessarily an achievement because your team isn't going to win money for you, you know, for finishing fifth. You know, there's none of that kind of thing. There's not really team – there's not really team – orders as much there's like not that stuff and 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 they throw those cars around sometimes to their detriment but (laughs) i I love it i'm looking forward to gp2 this weekend i'm looking forward to the fact that because it's an 11 a.m race start in bahrain the gp2 will be at like seven or eight which is excellent because i think when we get to 8 a.m starts gp2 is going to be at 2 30 in the morning and i'm i'm gonna want to be sleeping at that time right right i mean i love gp2 but uh, i also love sleep yeah exactly 
So, no, I'm going to try to... You've got to watch some GP2 because your man, Alex Rossi, is racing, isn't he? That's so important. It's true. Yeah, Alex Rossi is in GP2. Um, I'll be watching it, therefore. I'm going to be watching it for Team New Zealand, Mitch Evans. That's fine. You've got Team America, Alex (laughs) Rossi. We'll see how Uh, we go head-to-head. No, it should be good. We we could do that. Yeah, we should make a bet on this, this series. That'd be fun. I don't like betting, but we'll come up with something. Right, like winner gets, you know... The winner has to, you know, the other one buys dinner for whoever gets more points. Like, that kind of betting, not money. Let's- wait, wait. Do I get to go and buy, buy the GP2 driver dinner? Because I can totally sign up to that. No. I think that's probably a little bit along, a little bit over the stalking lines. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, I'm pretty sure NBC Sports actually does broadcast GP2, so I'll get to Yeah, that. Um, Will Buxton commentates it. Oh, good. Uh, uh, I know Sky Sports broadcast it because and, and buxton commentates gp3 and 2 yeah. so you can acquire it online if you do wish to to right. watch it but um i'm not sure about nbc nbc's broadcast but i think on the last note for today we need to talk about lewis hamilton's hair <laughs> i was like i know this is coming at some point yeah. yeah i think i think lewis hamilton's hair is is a good place for us to finish on today yeah his new game was strong this weekend. That being said, I had a few moments where I looked at it and I was like, Has, have you taken a straightening iron to this? Have you had no, like a no, relaxer? No, like what's no, going on? Stop for a second. I found something very important out this weekend. And that is, did you know he brings a stylist with him to every race? Because <laughs> he does. And I love oh, and, and this I stylist love- has never, ever told him that gold chains don't match a Mercedes team t-shirt. You can lead a, a horse to water, but you cannot make him not wear gold chains, okay? Yes. <laughs> there yes. are there's there's a limit. No, he brings a stylist to every every race, and I'm I'm so happy about that. Like I wanna know what, what what team Lewis Hamilton looks like. Like there's clearly a the stylist is probably the person that mans the camera. Yep. Like I yep. feel like the stylist slash camera operator are probably the same person. Um, hey, Lewis, let's get you sitting on the wing of your private plane. Yeah, Lewis, let's take pictures of you shirtless asleep in bed with Roscoe. Okay, I actually had to admit I looked at that and was like, I don't like you, but this photo is adorable, and I want to steal your dog. I love it. I want when he. Okay, so the gold chains thing. Like maybe it's a little tacky. When he puts them on Roscoe, I get so excited. Yeah, but just, I don't like the gold chains, but I can accept them when it's, like, appropriately styled. Yeah. With your t- with your black team-issue Mercedes, t- like, T-shirt, no. It looks awesome. It looks <laughs> like your team colors are silver and green. Like, gold is a little clashy-clashy. Well, I mean, at least he had a black shirt on in one of them, but I was still just, no, no. This look is athletic person, not gangster wannabe who drives fast cars. You've been a little, you're a little too fast and a little too furious right now. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'm marathoning those movies right now. And it's the Me best too. Movie. I've just, I've seen, I've seen one to four. Me too. I finished four last night before the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got to watch five and six still. Okay. I look, um, by the time we talk again, you will have seen all of them. I will have too. And you will have seen the seventh movie. I have seen the seventh movie. I Are cried. All my makeup off. Do not tell me anything. No, no, look, look. I, I'm pretty sure I'm not letting you know anything you don't know when I tell you. The whole end is double innuendo because it's 
he's actually also now passed on. Yeah. And I and then the music soundtrack and the, the whole scene at the end is just ah. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and my one of my best mates is sitting beside me, and she's like, I can feel the seat shaking. Because I was crying so hard. And I, look, I ugly cry. I hope anyone listening to this never sees me cry because I'm that person that my face swells up and I get pink all over and my nose was puffy and my makeup comes off and it's horrendous. And my 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 friend who was with me, her makeup didn't budge. She cried. Makeup didn't budge. She's also Paraguayan, so she's very tan. So it's like I looked like someone has just broken my heart and died or something like this. And it was, it was so funny because there's a couple of bros sitting behind us. <laughs> It was a good movie, hey? <laughs> I was like, you were so crying. I can hear you sniffling behind me. I know me. you're crying, buddy. Like, don't even, don't even like, mind. don't you even cry and man out of this. <laughs> I know what happened. Yeah, yeah. No, I heard that they, like, they did a thing with the final scene that, like, reflects exactly the opening of the first movie. And it just, like, I I know already that I'm just going to be a wreck when I go to see this movie. Oh, but. God, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's double the new window because it's, like, he's saying goodbye and they're saying goodbye. And, like, the actual actors are practically in tears and you're just, like, this is cruel. Like, this is appropriate and cruel. And there's this, and the ending is this really great Wiz Khalifa uh, song. And I just keep playing it over and over again now. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, every time you play this song, you want to cry. Why are you doing this to yourself? I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment. It's fine. It's fine. I feel that. Yeah. Well, hopefully you'll see that this week and we can compare notes next week. Yeah. Um, when we come back at but you look, to be honest people are like oh how was the movie well it was fast and it was furious people <laughs> people drove cars people blew up cars and people fought each other really you know what exactly you what you're getting in this movie and it is exactly what they deliver it's it's great if you expected and i actually gotta admit vin diesel's face doesn't change at all in the movie and i'm really impressed with how many different emotions he can convey without actually having to act <laughs> Because I, I was actually, I was almost, it's like Jason Statham, who happens to also be in the movie. They have like two faces. Mm-hmm. Or Jones, they have like two faces and they manage to make it work for just about everything they do because they just play <laughs> characters that have no emotions. And you're like, mm, fair enough, that works. Yeah, it's beautiful. But yeah. Well, it. I reckon for us. that's yep. a good place for us to wrap up. Um, we we're going to be back at this. We're going to be back at this in less than a week. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot. <laughs> yeah. I love these back to back races because you don't have to sit around and wait and like sit like marinate in all the drama for like more than a week and yeah, a half. Yeah, things or- don't necessarily get overblown as much because there's a whole other narrative that starts again on Wednesday. Everyone's gonna be on their way to uh to Bahrain. I think it's quite funny um when uh uh now that we've started doing this podcast, it's like, oh, it's like back-to-backs are great. But I was like, man, it's a back-to-back. We've got to record a show. I've got to edit it. We've got to get it up. Like it becomes a totally different story because you're like, oh, crap, I've got like five yeah, days to do it. Like, like, come on. Yep, yep. Well, it should be fun. It should be fun. And I, I'm, I'm very glad that I personally am very happy that this means that we don't have to listen to Mercedes bullshit for more than a couple of days. And you say that as a Mercedes fan. I do. It's exhausting. <laughs> I just want everyone to be friends and get along. Well, to wrap it all up for another week, I guess I'm Sasky Stewart. I guess I'm Sasky Stewart. I'm pretty sure I'm Sasky Stewart. You can find me on Twitter at Sasky Stewart. And I am absolutely Sarah Connors. And you can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Connors. And so 
for another week. This was Grid Girls, and we will see you at the next race. 